Hello, fellow planeswalkers, and welcome to Into the Ether Vortex. My name's Ninja Boy, your guide into all the different ways you can enjoy Magic the Gathering and how they all come together into something wild, wacky, and a little bit magical. I hope you guys have been enjoying the newest core set, M21. Uh, Jumpstart is still about a week or so away from getting released due to sipping del delays due to the pandemic, but I'm looking forward to jamming that when that comes out, uh, especially on Arena. Uh, frankly speaking, though, you know, I honestly, personally myself, haven't been as invested into playing uh, the core set since, uh, you know, as much as I was compared to playing Ikoria. Uh, part of that may be I'm just, in general, more busy with other projects outside of Magic, uh, such as other podcasts. But in general, I think I'm just not finding the draft environment uh, as much my speed as it was in the last set. Um, the difference becomes pretty apparent when I look at the number of drafts I've jammed uh, since the set released. Uh, this time last set, I had something like 20 drafts completed and went on to finish uh, probably 30 to 40, somewhere in there, by the end of the format. Um, so far, I've only been able to get like seven drafts in, I think. Um, part of that may just be, again, I just haven't had the time. I haven't been able to figure out the format out yet. And, but I think that also goes you know hand in hand with having less practice means that I have less knowledge of the set, which means I don't do as well, which means I'm not as incentivized to you know continue on. Uh, so far, I've gone about 14 and 21, or about a 33% win rate, uh, which is not great uh, in the best of one drafting queues. Um, again, compared to Ikoria, I was doing about a 52% win rate back then so definitely have taken a hit um you know not my proudest moment when it comes to my skill as a magic player but i guess them's the beats uh so far i've been hanging out around the bottom of silver four um after the last couple of weeks of streaming after the uh you know rankings reset um, I think part of the issue has been that I'm still kind of thinking in the big monsters, you know, inevitable endgame mindset of drafting Ikoria, um, and you know, also to a lesser degree, Corsa 2020, which was the last set I was really involved in before Ikoria. Uh, from what I've seen, you know, around online on Magic Twitter, Core 2021 is definitely about having a much more aggressive start, um, being able to hit the uh, impactful early drops um, with, you know, most creatures only having one or two power or toughness. Um, and in generally being smaller size so that a 3-3 or even a 0-3 might be too big to overcome. Um, while I'm sure that there's some degree of control and grindy, you know, Wars of Attrition in some decks, um, I definitely have had some of those myself. I think in general, the predominantly proactive strategies are going to be the ones that pay off a lot more, especially with creatures turning sideways. Uh, comparatively, in my opinion, I think Ikori was allowed for a certain degree of dirtliness where the early drops, you know, none of them were really that good and they were only really good as enablers for mutate triggers down the line. Um, so, you know, if you couldn't, you know, it, it wasn't as much of a snowball effect where if you didn't have an early drop out early, it's okay, your opponents probably didn't have one either. Here, you're likely to be facing down, you know, something that's going to be beating you down from turn two um, or turn three at the very latest. Um, you know, uh, you know, the other option in, in Ikoria was, you know, also just cycling into a Zenith Flare, which is more or less playing solitaire to a certain degree. Um you know, likewise, you know, the last course at Core 2020, uh, I really drafted a lot of that as well. And I think part of the appeal was a lot of the great value engines. Um, it was less about overwhelming the opponent with board presence and more about accruing value with that engine, uh, particularly in the Elementals deck. Um, you know, uh, Riptide Elemental, I think it was, it was the, the blue-green signpost was just kind of an, abs an absurd match card, uh, which tends to be the theme for Simic, I think, these days. Um, you know, even the renowned Weaponsmith deck where you would, you know, 
use it and kind of dirtle around and just fetch up a bunch of you know the the crossbows um that ended up being just kind of like a ridiculous uh deck as well um you know the other part i think is that core 2020 a lot of the bombs, especially Ugin, um, just ends up being completely unbeatable. Um, yeah, there's removal, but there's also a certain degree of reanimation as well, which kind of makes the removal not quite as potent, I feel. I don't know. Something's off about the removal in this set where there's a decent amount of it, but it doesn't feel like removal that I'm always super happy to play. Maybe it's because the creatures are smaller, so I don't always feel like I'm getting the full value of my removal. At the same time, the stuff that's too big to actually remove, um, you know, just ends up, you know, already have ends up having have had their effect slash, you know, it it's not just an, not quite enough to remove them. So I think maybe the the bomb heavy nature um, can kind of invalidate a lot of the value as you're trying to build up, which is again the mindset I think I'm in. Um, so yeah, I think that this is especially apparent when you look at the decks I've built. It's definitely skew more towards the mid range uh, control side of things. Um, so let's just go through the seven decks since it's not that many. Uh, first up, I had a red green uh, four power matters deck. Uh, I was definitely influenced by LSV's Channel Fireball draft video. I had watched just right beforehand where he kind of also went off with that five mana uh, artifact creature that replicates. You know, if you have a two of a copy of a card uh, on the battlefield, it'll make a third copy of them. Um, I unfortunately didn't quite get there and I only had one real payoff for going uh, or one or two main payoffs for going uh, for power which is uh, Garrick's Uprising which draws you cards uh, and uh, Leafkin Avenger which only ramps you if you have other four power creatures which you know at that point is it really like worth it if you already have dropping four power creatures um, looking back you know at the deck list I didn't even have any rares in this draft so I ended up going a uh, 2-3 here uh, next up, I tried a blue-white Flyers deck, uh, a little bit more aggressive, but not not quite fully. I think, um, you know, I didn't really have a lot of impactful twos. I think the main one was Pack Leader. Um, you know, a lot of I had a lot of stuff at three at four. Basri Cat, the Planeswalker. Um, you know, Basri's Acolyte at four, uh, which is lifelink and gives a bunch of uh, counters, um, as well as a couple flying payoffs, which Avon Gaggle Master and Tide Skimmer. I think here, if I had committed fully to going, you know, white weenie early on. Or you know, leaned more into a more controlly blue-white flyers deck. I would have worked, but I think I kind of split the middle somewhere in between and didn't land any of the early interactions I needed as well. Um, so I was pretty disappointed. I ended up going one and three. Um, then again, you know, it's, maybe it's not my drafting. Maybe it's my deck playing. I mean, I opened an Ugin in my third draft. Went into a blue-black control deck. Also had Grim Tutor. Um, and you know, I was trying to also go for this cute double to fairies two ledge the enchantment that mills the opponent for two uh, whenever you uh, draw a card. I was trying to do that. I had gotten milled out in one of my early games, I think, with the red green deck. Um, but even with those deck, even with the Ugin, who's kind of like the bombiest bomb in the entire format, I was ultimately outplayed and ended up going two and three. Um, of the seven decks that I played, I did have one deck that ended up positive. I, I went back to red green. I ended up getting four and three. Um, the difference here was I had Gadrak, um, the dragon that creates a treasure token uh, if a creature died on your turn. Uh, I actually learned this the hard way, where if you're blocking with your creatures, um, Gadrak will not give you the cre the, the treasure token. Um, I also had two Leafkin Avengers uh, and also a Furious Rise, which is the other four power matters uh, draw spell. Those this one's a little bit more. Uh, better better because you only just need to have a four power creature and then every turn it's going to end up uh creating creating uh cards so yeah i so yeah i ultimately ended up going a four three with this deck 
Uh, that said, that 403 was immediately followed up by an 03 deck, uh, which is a Sultai control deck. Um, it was primarily blue and black. Uh, I was ended up splashing for Spore Web Weaver, which is the Spider 1-4, where whenever it takes damage, it ends up... Uh, gaining you a life, I think drawing you a card and making a sapling. Um, you know, I was kind of split between trying to go for a little bit of a reanimated packet with Obsessive Theatre, Slash Rise Again, and then Waker of the Waves, that Whale, Uncommon Whale, and Spine Megalodon, the Common Sark. Um, and, you know, a general, but I was also had like a general anti-creature strategy uh, with Caravec the Spiteful, the legendary black, mono-black card that just gives all creatures minus one, minus one. Uh, and uh, Pestilent Haze, the minus, minus two uh, kind of board wipe um you know i, I that didn't work out just because a lot of my stuff ended up would get taken out also alongside all of these um Caravac getting hit by the pestilent haze also did not help as well um so yeah honestly i'm not impressed with Caravac that much i probably wouldn't first pick him if he was in my pack um assuming there was other stuff to pick of course um i did slightly redeem myself i ended up going even with probably what my favorite deck that i've drafted so far um sultai again uh but instead of sultai control i call it sultai codal um so i was mostly black green but i ended up splashing blue well a little bit more than splashing blue for a ghostly pilfer uh the spirit rogue that uh can become unblockable if you discard a card and then if you pay two and it untaps it draws you a card um and then uh and then uh, the Lower Skull Codal. Uh, seriously, Lower Skull Codal is kind of an absurd magic card. Uh, it's one blue and green for a 2-2 snake that gets a plus one, plus one counter whenever you draw a card. Um, so that Loki, I think that blue-green Simic arc, just draw cards and, and make big stuff. I think it's the definitely the Simic... Uh, even the uh the the Ikoria theme of like you know kind of just accumulate value for a big creature at the end um i had like three codals in the deck um that was just passed to me i also had three lanawar visionaries which uh is also an absurd magic card um so that was just pretty like an unstoppable draw engine uh combined with the uh um the the ghostly pilfer uh and i I think it's insolvable, except for the fact that I would eventually run out of the cards in my deck. I actually ended up losing, going, getting my third loss, where I decked myself um, against uh, another blue-green deck that had Teferi's Tutelets that enchantment that, that mills two whenever they draw a card. Um, I ended up getting my opponent down to two life until before they ended milling me out. Um, you know, at 20 life on my end. So, uh, yeah, that was basic. That was definitely a, too much of a good thing. I ended up having to stop uh, drawing with the um, with the uh, the ghostly pilfer. Um, anyway, looking at the you know at the decks, I. I, I oh sorry the last deck I ended up having I ended up drafting was a blue black reanimator deck. Um, again I had obsessive stitcher and rise again as ways to reanimate. The main targets being again another spine megalodon and archfiend's vessel. Um, I think there are definitely a, a there is definitely a reanimator deck. I just I think I'm missing some of the better targets. Uh, I think those two alone aren't enough for great targets to try to reanimate. Um, you know, back it up by, I was backed up by some removal and uh, especially Sublime Epiphany, which is basically the Crypticest, most cryptic command. Um, I had the, I will say, this definitely had one of the most memorable moments in my M21 uh, time so far, where, so I ended up get, drafting an Epitaph Golem, which is the 3-5, five, 5 mana creature, where I think for one or two mana, uh, you can basically, 
um, put a card from your graveyard into the library, which was really great to have against the uh, the, the 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 mill deck. Um, but uh, I had the very impressive achievement of basically I ended up using my removal, you know, early to take care of threats that were going to beat me down. Um, ended up returning those cards to the bottom of my library, and then I had a riddle form, which is the enchantment that uh, you know can turn into a sphinx if you pay a non-creature spell, but more importantly, can pay two in the blue to scry. So what I ended up doing was I would just scry through my deck, and I would just end up churning through my deck, putting stuff to the bottom until I would end up drawing into the card from my great I had put from my graveyard into the bottom of the deck. I had I was able to loop through all 40 cards in my deck and keep on going um, and end up reusing the removal for that inevitability. Um, probably an all-time accomplishment for myself. I don't know if I'm able to do that again. Um, ended up going two and three with the deck, unfortunately, but that was still pretty sweet to pull off. Uh, anyway, looking at all the decks, I have yet to really draft a good aggressive deck. Um, specifically red-white. I've definitely underdrafted white in general, only sort of been one deck, the, the blue-white deck. Um, I also haven't really played much with the green-white countering deck, which looks interesting, or the blue-red spell deck. Um, I'm definitely leaning more into Sultai, be it, you know, Demir Reanimator or Sultai Control or Golgari splashing blue for lore skill Codal. Um, and I have a certain amount of, you know, red-green decks that are basically mid-range. Um, you know, I think for my next upcoming streams, I'm going to try to force myself to do a little bit more aggro based on what I've been hearing about the format and try to push my way out of, uh, out, out of Silver 4, uh, maybe into gold. Um, but who knows, maybe I might just end up getting tempted by more dirty draw cards uh, with Lana or Visionary. So um, in any case, beyond limited, I have been dabbling a little bit in standard. If you remember from my last set, from last last episode like this for Ikoria, I got up to platinum actually uh, with red-white cycling from Ikoria on the back of Zenith Flare. Um, that deck still currently isn't standard. I could definitely go back to play it again. Um, but I... I think I want to just try and you know stuff with the new cards. Not inclined to play Bant Mythics at all. I'm a bit of a hipster. I don't want to just play whatever the meta deck is. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. In limited, I I'm definitely like turning into a value monster. I just want that kind of long game inevitability just from accruing value, which is what Bant Mythics is kind of all about. Um, in constructed, I definitely lean a lot more into the edge of your seat. Will they? Won't they? Aggressive decks like you know either the cycling deck or um, in modern, I do it with seismic swans or mono red burn. Um, here, I did try a little bit of a Durley deck in standard. I did try Saffron Olives uh, against the odds deck for the five, uh, the Sanctum Shrines deck. Um, I swapped in a couple, I made a couple changes. I swapped in some Satessan Champions from uh, from Theros Beyond Death, the one three that grows as you play other enchantments and draws you a card. Um, so it's basically an enchantress. But unfortunately, I guess I just haven't had any luck. Maybe I just haven't been, been lucky enough to get the Shrines in the right order. Um, but I haven't been able to get any wins with the deck. I have seen a little bit more success with with the against the odds MT, uh, MTZ Goldfist deck is it prowess um, and it beat you know it beats down with spite dragons um, the blue red uncommon from Ikoria uh, the riddle forms as I mentioned earlier that turns into sphinxes and the new addition is storming entity a three three that normally costs five mana but only costs two if you've cast a non-creature spell that turn and will scry you to when it comes into play so um, you know just beating down turn two sprite turn three you know opt into um, you know storm 
Stormwing entity um, and just keep going with that. Um, I've managed to claw my way up to Silver 4 on that deck, you know, from, from Bronze 2. Um, I'll likely be grinding this deck away, you know, in, in, in the future, trying to get the gold um, for... Uh, with this deck. Um, kind of that thrill, I think, of cycling through my deck quickly and trying to assemble a win before the opponent can stabilize, I think that's the thrill that I like uh, for my decks. Uh, beyond that, you know, like I said at the top of the episode, not much for me has been going on in, a, in terms of M21. Um, I was, before M21 dropped, able to get a few drafts of Arena Cube in. Um, you know, my first deck wasn't super successful. It was a 1-3 Historic Esper deck. Um, various sagas and legendaries and artifacts and legendary artifacts. Uh, most notably, I had a Platinum Angel, though I'm pretty sure it lost me the games, which is ironic because it basically means it says I can't lose the games. But I would basically make game plans revolving around, oh, I'll put Platinum Angel on the battlefield and then I'll be fine. I can assemble my combo, uh, which then it would get removed and I would end up getting over. Overrun. So yeah, Platinum Angel I think is a little bit of a trap uh, in the cube. Um, I had a little bit more success with a mono red aggro deck. Big surprise. I ended up going five and three. Um, the main highlights for this deck were Torbran, uh, Bone Cluster Giant, Scargan Hellkite, and just overall cheap removal like Lightning Strike and Flame Sweep and um, and Socks. You know that's exactly what I love to jam. I mean that's that's my modern deck in general, right? So yeah. Uh, finally, I think the other main thing in terms of my magic consumption, uh, I haven't been playing it myself, but Vintage Cube is back up on Magic Online, and I've low-key found myself addicted to LSV's draft Vintage Cube draft videos um, that he's putting up pretty much daily at this point uh, on the Channel Fireball YouTube channel. Um, you know, I'm sure if I were to actually try to play, first off, I would probably terribly misclick and trigger things at the wrong time and, and whatnot and, and end up timing myself out. But assuming I could get managed with the controls, I don't think I would have the five-dimensional, you know, the insight would, that just comes with experience of knowing how to pilot the crazy decks that LSV, you know, puts forth. He definitely has a bias toward, I guess, the Grixis deck, you know, uh, Reanimator, Storm, Lord knows what else, as well as also having a penchant for, for, for some reason, I feel like he's always drafted Golos, uh, in, in most of his decks, even if he, he didn't end up playing them. Um, I think if I were to maybe luck into a mono red or a mono green deck, that would kind of be more my speed. Um, but yeah, it's always, in any case, it's definitely a pleasure to watch. In any case, uh, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's, it's, this is probably going to be a short episode just because, like, again, M21's not my speed, I think, but I didn't want to keep you guys updated with how my magic life has been thus far. Uh, I'm hoping that Zendikar Rising this fall ends up being more, you know, what I'm into. You know, Zendikar is one of my favorite planes of all time with less Eldrazi going on. You know, hopefully we can get some, some you know, crazy, you know, mechanics going on there. Um in the meantime, you know, there's definitely a, a, pseudo, a sizable time between Core Set coming out and uh, and Zendikar Rising. I think it's coming, supposed to come out end of September. And, you know, frankly speaking, it's been a hot minute since I played in the store um, and played with physical cards. I kind of missed that. But uh, I'll probably fill out the next couple of episodes with some EDH deck techs uh, since I've only covered one of my decks so far. And I definitely have many more where that came from. In any case, uh, this casting of Pod is slowly coming to a resolution. Uh you know what car? What deck? How's your M twenty one experience been going so far? Let me know uh, on Twitter at EtherVortexPod or via email at IntoTheEtherVortex at gmail.com. Uh, you can find Into the Ether Vortex on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and you can leave a review of any of those podcast stores on Podchaser.com. Links in the show notes. Uh, my architect with all of my deck lists is linked under the username NinjaBoy, boy with an I. Um, I'll also stream Magic Arena most Friday nights at NinjaBoy333. Again, uh, 
boy with an eye. Um, I'm not sure if I'll be doing standard or um, limited tonight, maybe a mix of both. Um, in any case, the intro and outro music is provided by Kevin MacLeod. You can see more of his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. I cast pod every second and fourth Friday of the month. But until next time, may your lands be plentiful, but not too plentiful. Bye, guys. Mm-hmm.